Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. Continuing the series on California, in this episode we look at Sonoma County and also Mendocino County to the north. And I currently live in Sonoma County, so an area I know well. And we'll be going through the climate and the geography and the different AVAs and all the different grape varieties which are planted in Sonoma because it's quite a large, diverse area, much bigger than Napa, and with a slightly different climate from Napa's as well. As I mentioned in the first episode of this series, Napa is influenced by San Pablo Bay and the fog that comes in from the Pacific Ocean, but Sonoma even more so because it doesn't receive the same protection from the mountain ranges that uh, Napa does so a little bit cooler and a little bit wetter in fact it receives over 1100 millimeters of rain annually but due to its size Sonoma is quite diverse and so there are areas which are very strongly affected uh, by the Pacific Ocean and others which are more protected when they're more inland and there are hills which protect them from the Pacific Ocean so that's why there's so many different grape varieties and styles of wine made in Sonoma and it's hard to classify Sonoma as one thing in the same way that you can with Napa Valley. Sonoma has a long history of winemaking The first vines planted in Sonoma were in 1819, uh, planted by the missionaries who were coming up from Mexico. Those plantings were where the Sebastiani winery is currently located, just off Sonoma Square. And Sonoma was the last place that the missionaries arrived in. So for the previous 50 years, they'd been moving up California, exploring the the area which was really untouched. And they arrived in Sonoma in the late in the 1810s. And the last mission to be planted in California by those missionaries was um, in Sonoma itself in 1821. The only one of the missions which should align what is now the 101 going up from San Diego to Sonoma. That was the last one to be um, built, and but also the first to be built under Mexican rule rather than Spanish rule because Mexico was independent by that time and California was part of Mexico up until 1846. But commercially, uh, Sonoma begins a little bit later than that. The first winery uh, commercially to be um, built in Sonoma is Buena Vista, which is also just off downtown Sonoma. And that was established by Count Harazathi, a notorious and flamboyant Hungarian who was quite influential on the be- in the beginnings of California wine, reputed to have brought Zinfandel into the state, although there's probably no, sto- uh, no truth to that. And the myth goes that he was killed by a, an alligator, I think in Guatemala or Nicaragua, one of the Central American countries, although there's probably no truth to that as well. So quite a mythical figure, but certainly an important one. And that winery still exists. Uh, just down the road from that is Gunlak Bunshu, which was established in 1861 and still owned by the same family that uh, set the winery up in the 1860s. So that's really where Sonoma gets going commercially, and the first region in California to um, be commercially important, uh, quickly followed by Napa next door. After that, his history parallels uh, Napa's with success, then Phylloxera, then Prohibition, and a complete... Um, destruction of the wine industry and then slowly getting going again in the 1950s and 1960s. But whereas Napa focused on Cabernet Sauvignon because it's warmer, Sonoma was more about Pinot Noir and then Chardonnay. And in fact, Andrei Shelichev, who I mentioned in the previous episode on Napa, who's very influential in winemaking there and also in planting Cabernet Sauvignon in Napa, he persuaded Joseph Swan to plant Pinot Noir in the Russian River Valley and that was extremely successful. So he's influential in that instance and Joseph Swan is still a very good producer and there is actually a Swan clone of Pinot Noir uh, unique to California which he developed 
Another important producer in the 1950s and 60s was Hansel, who really pioneered plantings of Chardonnay as well as Pinot Noir. So some important producers really uh, rebuilding Sonoma's winemaking and grape-growing culture after the devastating effects of Prohibition and then, of course, Depression and Second World War. But Sonoma never really developed the reputation of Napa Valley, mainly because there was no so-called Judgment of Paris featuring Sonoma wines, and so it never quite had that international cachet that Napa Valley held. But nevertheless, Sonoma produces extremely good quality wine in a huge variety of styles. And I think now that the reputation of Sonoma is well established, and other wines may not be as expensive as Napa Valley, although there can be some very expensive uh, Pinot Noir, nevertheless it has an international reputation. Let's look at the different grape varieties planted in Sonoma County. Pinot Noir is extremely important, and Pinot Noir is a grape variety which perhaps reflects the different climates of Sonoma County, the, the different growing influences, because the Pinot Noir uh, grown in Sonoma does vary from region to region. Perhaps the most famous area for Pinot Noir in Sonoma County is Russian River Valley. That's named after the river which flows through um, Healdsburg, the main town of Russian River Valley. And it's called Russian River because the Russians actually did make it all the way down to uh, Sonoma County in the middle of the 19th century. And that's why there's also a town called Sebastopol, so a little bit of a Russian influence on the region. And Russian River Valley is it's quite warm, it gets hot here in the summer. And so the Pinot Noirs here are quite full and ripe, quite voluptuous. Alcohol of 14% is not unusual. But nevertheless, there's still the freshness to the wines because of the fog that comes in from the Pacific Ocean. Going towards the coast, we have the Sonoma Coast AVA, but here it's much cooler because it's nearer the Pacific Ocean, and so the Pinot Noir grown with that Pacific influence is much leaner, lower in alcohol, and a bit more firm in its tannins, so quite a different style according to the coastal influence. Zinfandel is also extremely important in Sonoma, and historically so, lots of old vine plantings going back to the 19th century, and Zinfandel is going to be found more inland in a region like Dry Creek Valley, where there's less of a Pacific influence, so it gets quite hot during the day, cooling influence at night just to prolong the ripening and produce quality grapes. And the Zinfandel is going to be quite full and robust, and those old vines can have a rustic feel to them as well, with a really nice concentration. Zinfandel is a much maligned grape, wrongly so, and that's because of uh, white Zinfandel, which people still associate with the grape variety. And that's also because the wines can be, the red wines, can be quite high in alcohol, and that's naturally so. Zinfandel is a grape which can get ripe. If you want to hear more about Zinfandel, then listen to my interview with Clay Moritzson, who's based in the Rockpile AVA, which is um, just northwest of Dry Creek Valley. He's an expert on that grape variety. But Zinfandel is a tricky grape to work with because it ripens unevenly, and so you can have... Uh, Bunches which have undeveloped grape for grapes, which have perfectly ripe grapes, and which have overripe raisined grapes, all in the same bunch. And so it's uh, quite difficult to work with. To get that even ripeness uh, in the wines, it requires careful work in the vineyard or careful sorting in the winery. Which does mean that more inexpensive Zinfandels can lack uh, balance, where you can have some real overripe jammy aromas, but then you can also have some greenness as well. So that's another reason that the reputation of Zinfandel isn't as high as it should be, because very good Zinfandel has that perfect balance between the ripe, jammy fruit aromas, the high alcohol, but also a good firm tannic structure. And Zinfandel, at its best, is a great is a wine which can age very well, and some of that uh, voluptuousness can just fade away and leave a nice fruity tannic structure. 
so don't be dismissive of Zinfandel. There's also a Cabernet Sauvignon grown in Sonoma County, which might be a little bit greener and less structured than you would find in Napa Valley. The main AVA that you'll find Cabernet Sauvignon is Alexander Valley, and this represents good value Cabernet Sauvignon, more affordable and more approachable in its youth than Napa Valley, so something that will be found on the supermarket shelves at good prices. There's also some very good Syrah made in Sonoma, and probably the climate of Sonoma County in general is ideal for Syrah, but not as much is planted as it should be, which is also the case in Napa Valley. But it'll have, again, a nice ripe voluptuous to it, uh, more more ripe and more fruity than you would find in the Northern Rhone, but perhaps not as meaty as you would find in Australia. And then there's also plenty of Chardonnay planted um, all over Sonoma County, particularly in Russian River Valley, so good climate for Pinot Noir, therefore good climate for Chardonnay, and also in Carneros, uh, the AVA which uh, straddles Sonoma and Napa. So the Sonoma side is a little bit cooler than the Napa side in that AVA. And so the Chardonnay, as Chardonnay all around the world, really depends on the producer. So you can get some really ripe, creamy, full, yogurty, buttery Chardonnays in Sonoma County. You can also get some very lean, acidic Chardonnays in Sonoma. So that in part depends on where the grape variety is planted, on that coastal influence, but also on the winemaking style as well, and whether they're looking for a kind of traditional California audi audience which like those ripe, buttery styles of Chardonnay, or looking for a more contemporary audience which prefer lean, acidic styles. So again, almost like Zinfandel, California Chardonnay can get pigeonholed sometimes as just being this one full, uh, big style, but it's not always the case, and there's some very good Chardonnay being made in California, particularly in Sonoma County. The AVAs of Sonoma County, there are plenty of them. Uh, Sonoma County itself um, is an AVA, and that now has to be on the label of every wine that is made in Sonoma. So it can be a seem a little bit repetitive when you see um, Sonoma Valley, Sonoma County. Uh, but Sonoma County has to be on there, so you'll see Russian River Valley, Sonoma County, Dry Creek Valley, Sonoma County. So really emphasizing the, the Sonoma County name and um, getting people to identify it with as a quality wine and as a regional identity as well. But then you'll see all the other AVAs on the label too if they come from them. There is one really big one, all-encompassing, which is Northern Sonoma. And this is an AVA created solely for the Gallo company so that they could put a regional identification on their wines even though it's coming from all over Sonoma. So a bit of um, a commercial reason for creating that AVA rather than a geographical winemaking reason. And then there are smaller AVAs, which are still substantial in size. There's Russian River Valley, which I've already mentioned, so slightly further inland, based around the Russian River, getting the coastal influence with the fog, getting pretty warm during the day, especially as you go further inland, and producing that ripe, perfumed Pinot Noir. A particular aroma to identify Russian River Valley Pinot Noir is cola. There's a real cola uh, style to those Pinot Noirs. Within Russian River Valley, there are a couple of other AVAs. There's Green Valley of Russian River Valley, which is a bit of a repetitive name, and you don't see that on the label too often, although there are some producers based there and making wine from there. But they usually label their wines Russian River Valley because it's much more famous and much more likely to sell. There's one producer based in Green Valley called Freeman, who are really promoting Green Valley as its, as its own AVA rather than Russian River Valley and really trying to get uh, attention to Green Valley, because it is a little bit cooler than the rest of Russian River Valley, a bit more of a coastal influence. It is nearer the coast, so it produces um, perhaps a more lean style than Russian River Valley does. But again, unusual to see that on the label. 
And much further inland is Chalk Hill, where it's um, quite a bit warmer. So there's Pinot Noir grown here as well, but as it gets warmer, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot uh, become more of a speciality and can be an interesting alternative to Napa Valley, which lies on the other side of the Mayacamas mountain range. So quite similar in style, but maybe um, a little bit cooler. So a little greener and more herbaceous in its style, but not dissimilar. Then there are the coastal AVA. So Sonoma Coast is a pretty big, broad uh, AVA. Again, the nature of its creation is quite political because it goes very far inland. It actually goes further inland than Russian River Valley. So it's absolutely huge AVA, which isn't as specific as it should be. And so um, producers do refer to extreme Sonoma Coast or the West Sonoma Coast, which is actually a projected new AVA, which is what basically Sonoma Coast should be, the whole AVA defined by the coastal influence. But the very best Sonoma Coast wines will have that strong coastal influence and will be uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and be really lean, elegant and with very fresh acidity. And within Sonoma Coast AVA, there's Fort Ross Seaview, which has a very extreme coastal influence and can actually get up to 2,000 millimetres of rain a year. And then there's also the new AVA Petaluma Gap, which is um, in the south part of Sonoma Coast. And this is the newest AVA um, in the region. And Petaluma Gap, which is actually um, where I live, uh, receives a really strong coastal influence and it's the wind which defines Petaluma Gap. So there's wind coming in from the coast and which has been trapped by the Petaluma Hills. And so getting the grapes ripe here can be quite difficult. And so the mainly Pinot Noir, but also Syrah, again, that very lean, elegant style with quite firm, almost slightly green tannins. And the Syrahs here can be quite peppery. And lots of promise for um, Pinot Noir and Syrah in Petaluma Gap, an exciting AVA to look out for. And it's also a useful term because it's not just in Sonoma County, it's also in neighbouring Marin County, which separates Sonoma from San Francisco. And Marin is not a famous name in wine, but there are grapes grown in Marin County, which now have the opportunity to be labelled Petaluma Gap as well. So a bit more of a a marketing uh, possibility there. And then east of Petaluma Gap is Carneros, the AVA which um, is also in Napa County as well. And this is created in the 1980s, one of the first AVAs to be created. And the Sonoma side of Carneros gets more wind and more breezes from um, San Pablo Bay and the Pacific Ocean, so it's a little bit cooler. And so the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are not quite as rich as the Napa side, that it really does vary on the site, how the site is exposed to wind. So there can be some really warm pockets in Carneros on the Sonoma side too, where you can get really full and I think a little too overripe wines. Uh, but in those really cool pockets, a bit more elegance to those wines. Between Sonoma and Santa Rosa, there's um, Bennett Valley. Again, an AVA which doesn't get too much attention, but there's, there are some good producers there, like Matanzas Creek, possibility to produce some pretty good um, Syrah, but maybe still a region where the Sonoma designation is more important for consumers than the Bennett Valley designation. And just next to Bennett Valley is Sonoma Mountain, where there's, um, again, some very good Cabernet Sauvignon being made. Sonoma Mountain has got two sides to it. So on the eastern side, um, it's warmer, so there's more Cabernet Sauvignon, whereas on the western side, there's uh, more exposure to the ocean, so there's more Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Uh, A good producer here is Laurel Glen, who make particularly age-worthy Cabernet Sauvignons. Going further inland again, on the other side of Sonoma, the town, is Moon Mountain, another new AVA. And this is the Sonoma side of the Mayacamas Mountains. High elevation and a focus on Cabernet Sauvignon as well. 
A famous vineyard here is the Monte Rosso Vineyard, which is owned by Gallo now, but has some very old vine plantings, including of uh, Semillon, unusually, but mainly of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And again, like Chalk Hill, these can be an interesting alternative to Napa, just the other side of the mountain, so more of a cooling influence. But just to give you an, an example of kind of how Sonoma transfers into Napa, Moon Mountain borders Mount Vida on the other side of the Mayacamas Mountains. So a similar climate, a similar style of wine. Going down from Moon Mountain is the Sonoma Valley AVA, which lies between the Mayacamas Mountain Range and the Petaluma Hills to the west, which offers some protection in Sonoma Valley from the Pacific Ocean. But it does cool down at night here and there'll be fog in the morning, but it does get pretty hot during the day. And this is really the um, historic centre of Sonoma County. Sonoma Valley encompasses Sonoma, the town itself. Whereas I mentioned, um, the first grapes were planted back in 1819. Moving up the valley to Glen Ellen and Kenwood, uh, small towns where a lot of old wineries are based. And there are a lot of old vines here, particularly Zinfandel. Of particular interest is the Bedrock Winery, which lies just south of Glen Ellen. And this is a property which dates back to the 1850s, vines which were replanted in the 1880s which is when uh, a lot of the vines on that property date from, including Zinfandel as well as um, heritage varieties like Carignan. And that property is now owned by Morgan Twain Peterson, who is an MW and the son of Joel Peterson, who established the Ravenswood Winery in the 1970s, which did a lot to protect the old vine Zinfandel, which was still in the state, um, because that's what he focused on and what the winery became famous for, and ensured that those old vines weren't ripped up and replaced with other great varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon. And Morgan is um, extremely involved in maintaining the, the history of California's old vines, making wine from them, and mapping the... Um, the old vineyards, where they are and what is planted in them. In fact, that's what his MW dissertation was on. And so Bedrock's a really good winery, making uh, making um, wine from all over California, but also from old vineyards and also from their own property, focusing on um, Zinfandel primarily, but often field plants, with, um, which is the traditional way that these vineyards were planted back in the 1800s. Moving westwards again, going towards the coast, there's Dry Creek Valley, which uh, doesn't have that much of a coastal influence because it's very well protected by um, mountains. So Dry Creek Valley does get very hot during the day, and that's why there's plenty of Zinfandel planted here, some of it's old vine, and also Cabernet Sauvignon as well. And the Cabernet here is extremely good. It has that a really good tannic structure, really firm, but the fruitiness as well coming from the warm climate. I think the Cabernet Sauvignon Dry Creek Valley is a little underrated. And then just to the northwest of the AVA, um, and then going out and onto its own, is Rockpile. So it overlaps with Dry Creek Valley, but it's um, very much its own thing. And this is an AVA defined by the fact that it's above the fog line. And so the grapes planted here have to be above the fog line. That's part of the AVA regulations. And it's heavily influenced by um, Lake Sonoma, which was created back in the 1960s. Um, as a reservoir. So again, you want to know more about Rockpile AVA and its very in interesting history and the style of wines it produces. Uh, listen to my interview with Clay Morrison on my podcast because he talks. he's based here and he talks a lot about the Rockpile AVA and the styles of wine it creates. Very interesting Zinfandels here and really good example. If Zinfandel is planted in the correct place and looked after well, it produces really high-class age-worthy wines, which are fruity and high in alcohol, but really, really structured. Also based in Dry Creek Valley are Ridge, another very important producer. So they have um, 
two wineries, one in Santa Cruz Mountains, south of San Francisco, just next to San Jose, uh, where they make probably the best Cabernet Sauvignon in California, and then their winery in Dry Creek Valley, Lytton Springs, where they focus on Zinfandel and other heritage uh, varieties like Petit Syrah and Carignan. And they produce fabulous wines from those great varieties. And they're just on the border with Alexander Valley, which um, is a region, as which as I, as I mentioned already, produces good value Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, but one of Richard's vineyards, Geyserville, is actually in Alexander Valley. Uh, but Ridge, uh, because of their legendary winemaker Paul Draper, have always refused to put Alexander Valley on the label because they feel it devalues the, the wine. And I tend to agree. Alexander Valley's wines are quite simple, but they're it's a region that um, students have to know about. When I teach WSET, Alexander Valley is one of the few AVAs which is mentioned outside of Napa. It's one that um, is viewed as quite important internationally because of its commercial importance. These wines are widely available. And then going further inland again, there's Knights Valley, which is actually warmer than Russian River Valley, but cooler than Alexander Valley because of elevation. And so the wines there can have a nice balance to them in the way that I don't always find with Alexander Valley. But it's quite unusual to see Knights Valley on the label, but there is a very important producer here called Peter Michael, who produces uh, pretty expensive Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon from his high elevation, about 450 metres to 600 metres above sea level. So Sonoma, a very well-established region, though producers are experimenting, looking for cooler sites, particularly in Sonoma Coast. New AVAs emerging, like Moon Mountain and Petaluma Gap, really trying to understand the terroir of Sonoma, which great varieties work best where, and how to produce the most balanced, restrained, but concentrated wines. So a historic region, but one that's always changing, always looking towards the future. And then just quickly to go north to Mendocino County, which also is very historic. There's lots of old vines planted here, particularly, oh, for instance, uh, Carignan, old vine Carignan is really interesting in this region. It's quite remote, very rural, and so it's a region that's kind of been left to do its own thing for a long time, which is why there are old vines planted there, which makes it really interesting and fascinating. Uh, it's a region which is quite varied. It can get very, very hot in Mendocino during the day, but very cool at night. And that, the climate really, again, really depends on the coastal influence. The regions that don't have much of a coastal influence can get really, really hot. But that's where altitude will come in. So altitude helps cool the climate during the night to produce those uh, more balanced styles of wine, which is why some very good Pinot Noir uh, grown in Mendocino, which although it gets hot during the day and the grapes will get ripe, the cool nights at altitude will really um, slow the growing season down and get a really balanced style of wine. There are several AVAs within Mendocino, but the most important probably is Anderson Valley. This is where Ruderer Estates are based, and they make probably the best sparkling wine in California. Certainly the best sparkling wine that's, that's widely commercially available. And they're located on, on a road where there's, where there's the biggest concentration of wineries. And they're producing wines such as sparkling, or from Pinot Noir, or from Chardonnay, or also from Riesling, which can work well here, giving you an idea of the climate of Anderson Valley. Just to the south of Anderson Valley is, is the Yorkville Highlands, another AVA, which is about altitude. The name Highlands gives an, ins gives an idea of the high plantings of the great varieties here. And then a couple of other AVAs which are further to the north and further inland, so less of a coastal influence than Anderson Valley, are Redwood Valley and Potter Valley. And these wines are going to be full-bodied and quite robust, and there might be some old vines planted here as well, but finding Zinfandel and Petite Syrah those kind of great varieties, so less of a coastal influence, so fuller and richer and more robust. 
So that's Mendocino County, quite interesting. Uh, quite a lot of young producers are looking towards Mendocino because the grapes are cheaper, and also because there's a lot of heritage and history in Mendocino, so they, work, they can work with old vines, uh, which are still good value, so they don't have to spend too much for them, and that, of course, is passed down to the consumer, so you can get some good value wines from Mendocino. So definitely a region worth looking out for, for a sparkling wine, for Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Riesling, and some old vine Riesling too, as well as old vine Carignan. So that's Sonoma and Mendocino County, an overview of those two counties. Sonoma much more important, but Mendocino is nevertheless very interesting and one to look out for. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.